0: beats rye and types you're listening to episode six which is pretty amazing that we've gotten this far you were just listening to a song by cities of who's a rapper and producer from memphis something that i just really got into last year he he has a really unique sound and somewhere between kind of the electronic music that we've been listening to and hearkening back to the hip-hop stuff like black moon and anyway today we were having a tough morning and (laughs) both of us, I think. And so we were thinking what better way to make us feel good than to talk about our probably absolute most favorite subject and something that we could probably record multiple, if not have an entire podcast dedicated to, which of course is pizza.
1: Pizza. You know, the other day in episode sandwiches, when we were talking about how sandwiches were our favorite thing to talk about, it that's you know, we have a lot of favorite things, and this pizza thing that has been between us for a while has been going on for like. How long now?
0: I think like seven years now, seven, like six or seven years at least.
1: We both got really into making our own pizza, you know, and that's after, of course, a lifetime of uh, dedication to the rabid, unbounded, irrational consumption of pizza. Exactly. Making pizza and eating pizza and sharing pizza with your family and friends is definitely something that we, we both love to do, and it's another thing that we thought could both cure us of our morning uh ailments and also take up an entire episode on its own
0: you know we said sandwiches are the best and that's one thing but i think pizza is our religion and (laughs) we uh worship at the at the temple of crust there's not much else that we would dedicate our lives to Besides probably our family and pizza.
1: It's true. And it's interesting to think about why, right? I mean, it it, it definitely, it encompasses so many things, right? I mean, besides being like, you know, most people's favorite food when they're a kid, especially if you're from New York, it's an opportunity to explore so many different techniques. And then since everyone loves pizza, you just pretty much can't go wrong.
0: You know, we've talked before about how important food is in terms of the act of eating together and sharing with family and friends. And like you're saying, not only does everyone love pizza, but pizza is something that's explicitly made to be shared. And there's something about that that is really wonderful and also just makes it really easy to not only want to go out and get pizza or order pizza, but also to make pizza and want to, want to perfect the art because it just brings so much unbridled joy to so many people and without as much effort as a lot of other things. It's
1: true. And if you go through the steps that it takes, which take time but are not difficult, to do it properly and make it right at home for your guests, you will, I guarantee, they will tell you. This is the best thing that I've ever eaten when I've come to someone's (laughs) house. (laughs) I've gone to people's houses where they've cooked me, you know, 30 day old dry aged steaks and we've drank a 35 year old bottle of red wine and uh, had, you know, perfect eclairs for dessert or some shit. And then, you know, they'll come to your house and $3 pizza pie that you make for them is the greatest thing that they've ever had. So it, it, it has this ability to, to transcend its its place right it's so interesting because in all you know what why does the pizza deserve such adulation it's composed of such humble ingredients right definitely
0: yeah i, w- I was thinking about it and i was i wanted to ask you because i think we both have different answers to this but what what would you say is your ideal pizza i mean or what what is the ideal that you're going for and it doesn't have to be a specific pie that you've had in the past or it could be an amalgam but you know, not only what is your inspiration, but what, what's kind of the ideal, like, you know, the Greeks had the ideal human being that they always sculpted after. So what's your ideal pizza that you're always trying to make?
1: So that's a great question. I think I will answer that, but to take it one level up for a second first, the, the insight that I had is that there is an ideal pizza for a place and a time and a person's ability to like express themselves through the food, right? So in other words, people ask me, and I've become somewhat of a self-proclaimed authority on the subject, you know, I'm going to New York, where should I eat pizza, right? And I, what I tell people is that there's, it's so awesome because there's many different types of best pizza that you can have, right? So I say, you want pizza, you've never had anything like it before, and it's amazing, go to L&B Spumoni Gardens, right? Especially if it's warm outside, you sit outside, you're with like real Brooklyn people eating real Brooklyn food, and you'll never have a, a, a piece like that anywhere else, right? And then I say, if you want to really worship at the altar of, you know, of fan- of like the greatest or one of the greatest living food and pizza artisans, you go to De Fares, right? Because that's a guy who's been making the pizza in the same way, in the same oven, standing in the same spot for like 50 something years, if not more by now. And then if you want to get, you know, if you want to have the kind of typical New York, brick oven pizza experience. You can go to Grimaldi's or you can go to Lombardi's or or one of those kinds of places, right? And then if you want to go get a slice, you go to this place or that place, right? So for me at home, when I make it, I have an ide- I have an ideal, which is that I, I know the limitations of what I can do at my house with my conventional oven, right? And so I want to make the best possible version of like the classic New York style brick oven, thin crust pizza. But my own personal taste comes through, right? Like I like a more sour dough. I like it to be very fermented. I like the bottom to be browned. I don't ever cook my sauce when I'm to making tomato sauce. Uh, Base pizzas, fresh mozzarella, basil, red pepper flakes to garnish and pecorino cheese or parmesan cheese if you're feeling fancy
0: olive oil olive, olive oil cheese,
1: huh? olive oil of course right so like that's that's how i calibrate right so when I, you know, if I'm making some, if I'm making pizza at someone else's house or if I'm making pizza after I just moved, I like make that one over and over, the margarita, I make it over and over and over again. And if it were up to me, it's funny, cause when people come over, I make fancy stuff for them. But if it was me, I would just only eat margarita pizza. Like I like season seasonal stuff is fun, like whatever. But if it were me I, and I had five doughs, I would make five, five margarita pizzas. And be like the happiest person on the planet.
0: <laughs> I think you brought up an interesting point about the different styles of of pizza and how even New York pizza is super varied. Because something that kind of always irks me a little bit, yet, like you, I've also started to become or have become for a long time an authority on, to at least to my friends on New York food and especially pizza. And when I go somewhere else to like, let's say San Diego, and a friend introduces me to their favorite local pizza place, and you know, they turn to me and they're like, it's not New York pizza. Like I'm supposed to be upset about the fact that it's not New York pizza, or it's not as good as New York pizza. And I always have to turn to tell them and you know, it's like, Sure, it's not New York pizza. New York pizza is not necessarily the pinnacle of all pizza. It's, you know, the birthplace probably of what we think of as modern pizza, but it's not it's not necessarily what I Absolutely adore overall things in terms of pizza, but it's also even in New York it's super varied and you can't necessarily pinpoint what exactly all New York pizza looks like. So when you go outside, you know don't feel ashamed of what your pizza is for your local place. You know it it's actually probably really good. It's just not the same thing as New York pizza, and sure they're just different things. But that's like any kind of baked good or any kind of food that you have outside of the place that necessarily was born from you know tacos in oakland are definitely going to be different than tacos in mexico city but that doesn't mean that they're not really good tacos and so i would say you know everyone should feel pride over whatever they think is their really good local spot and obviously seek out the best but everyone has a like at this point every place has some really good or at least some decent pizza
1: yeah, and every place, I mean, lots and lots of places have their own style of pizza that exactly. uh, you, you would not necessarily expect. It's like I've been in, you know, a town in Puerto Rico and have had locals tell me, like, we have our own style of pizza. It's like this, this, and this other thing, right? And it, yeah, it's like it's important to keep the local place in mind and embrace that because you can learn, you can, you can take pieces of that away with you. For sure, For sure. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about your your recent uh, adventures in, in making pizza at home? I mean, we could we could probably have a whole episode that's just like us talking about how to make pizza at home. <laughs> yeah, we should probably touch on that a little bit, like go over the the five things you must do in order to make pizza at home properly. and, and, and we're kind of violating our own thing, right? pizza, It's fle- this is a flexible notion, right? So we're taught, we, Aaron and I are into making the same kind of pizza at home. So this is the recipe for that. There are other recipes that you could use to make different types of pizza. But we think if you have a regular old oven at home and you're trying to make that New York Neapolitan style margarita pizza, the one that's like, you know, the picture of pizza in the dictionary pizza, <laughs> this is the best way to do it. So what do you think? what 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 should we uh, what should we touch on next in that regard?
0: I, I would actually step back a second and say that, you know, my pizza and the pizza that we've been making, I think, together and have developed and developing over the past number of years is also inspired, I would say, a lot by like San Francisco pizzas and Oakland pizzas because I spent a a couple years out there living out there. and there's something in between like the New York classic and this San Francisco kind of local um, seasonal ingredient driven and kind of smaller one pie per person type thing that I think is a little easier to achieve at home but also kind of somewhere in between the two is I think what we both kind of been striving for and so anyway yeah it started I would say as five important things to do at home but I think we've we it's turned into like these are the 40 things you need to do to make (laughs) pizza (laughs) at home but yeah there there are some really, really crucial pieces. And as as Mike mentioned before, from fermenting the dough is actually one of the most important things and one of the things that kind of Mike turned me on to that uh, I've been experimenting with and playing with a lot in the past couple months and years. And so the basic idea is that you, if you're going to make pizza on Saturday night, you make the dough for that pizza at least Thursday night, if not Wednesday night. It's kind of a change to the way a lot of people think about making food for dinner. Most people, I would say, myself included, will think of something the day of and want to be like, I want to make this tonight. If you want to make pizza, really good pizza at home, the trick is definitely that you have to plan ahead a little bit. And it's actually not like you're doing something for three whole days. It's you take basically 45 minutes, which like 15 of those is actually active work to make the dough on the Wednesday or Thursday night. And then all you do is just put it in the fridge and basically pull it out on Saturday or around the time that you're going to bake. And then that's, that's it in terms of making the dough. You're not actually, there's not extra work you have to do, but the magic is that the yeast and the sugars and the flour and the salt and the water sitting in your fridge are over those couple days, turn into something that's much more than what you put into it. That's all the magic of fermentation, basically. But it turns kind of this simple, relatively tasteless dough into something that has not only a lot of flavor, but what you classically think of as pizza, or New York pizza, with the tons of bubbles that pop up as you're cooking it, and the thin, you can actually get the the thin crust and the really, really good you know juxtaposition of the softness of the sauce with the crispiness of the bottom crust with the airiness of the outer crust like all of those things have less to do with shaping and actually baking and more to do with the fermentation and the the resting of the dough over a couple days. Totally. And it's
1: actually often a thing that people don't know that they're missing when they make pizza at home. So like if you use a recipe that where it's like, you know, mix it up, put maybe some honey or sugar to accelerate fermentation, like more than you would normally have, like up to the boundary of being able to taste it or something like that. People make pizza at home and it's good. But they're like, why, you know, I've heard a lot of people say it doesn't really taste like the real thing. And then they try fermenting the dough in advance and they're like, oh, that was like a flavor and a texture that was missing from the pizza that I was able to put together. You know, if you observed a typical New York pizzeria that does this with their dough, you wouldn't know it, right? Because you would just be like, they're just pulling doughs out from the retarders into the oven or I'm stretching them and then putting them in the oven. You don't like see the time that goes into it. Um, The process of mixing the dough uh, is not that challenging, but you have to do it a couple days in advance. And though it's not the everyday work dinner thing, I think people are used to that kind of meal, right? It's like your Sunday dinner, your Friday night roast chicken. It's like you make the pizza night a thing. Right. I mean, the way that the proper way to make it is, well, you know, we'll produce probably more than you can typically consume uh, as, you know, a single person or a couple. It's good for a family or if you have friends over and it's a kind of it's a good rhythm to get into for the week. And part of the magic is you make it in advance and you, you know, you think about it, you check on it you show off how cool the bubbles look to your uh, significant other or friends or, or children or whatever it is. And you uh, are putting like all this mental energy into the production of the pizza that's a couple days later. And it just makes it better. You know, it's just one of those experiential things that uh, it's, it's part of how it works. You know, food that you put thought and love and energy into will just taste better. And, and it's not... Only in your mind, like other people know you put effort in, it makes it taste better and it's more enjoyable for them too. So you gotta let it ferment early, and you have to use a scale when you weigh the ingredients for your dough, right? Uh, that's another big rule. What are what are the, what are some of the other ones?
0: The other things that we've learned over the past couple of years have been, you know, how to shape and how to bake the pies, and the trick. There is really dependent on, obviously, your setup and your oven at home, but at the same time, there's some basic rules that apply to every oven in every situation. Uh, I mean, the general idea when you're baking pizza, and if you look at you know professional ovens and professional kitchens where they're making pizza, they have this giant stone or coal or gas oven that gets extremely, extremely, extremely hot. And so your goal at home is to try to replicate that because one of the keys to making good and great pizza is to is you want it to cook really, really fast. Pizza shouldn't take more than ten minutes to cook. That's that's the that's really that's a really long time. Ideally pizzas cook in under five, if not under three.
1: Yeah, to be called Neapolitan DOP pizza, your pizza must cook in under ninety seconds, right? So that's that's the benchmark that you wanna like go for. Uh, And it's not really possible in an oven at home. But for – I guess we could probably try to like bullshit our way and pretend that we know all of the exact reasons why you
0: you don't want it to be in the (laughs) oven for that long. But uh, it's empirically true. I mean the the main reason is just moisture. So like if you have anything that – especially something that thin – in an oven for longer than a couple minutes, it's just going to dry out, you know? Like if you don't have it that hot and it's not – crisping the outside but leaving the moisture intact on the inside then basically what happens is you just get like really dry or crumbly dough and you know even if you've eaten out at pizza places and the dough like it crumbles or it doesn't taste like there's something not there's not the chewiness about it that's just moisture that's basically either their oven wasn't hot enough or they didn't leave it in long enough whatever it is it means that the the moisture just evaporated and what you're left with is, you know, basically like a, a dry bread as opposed to really what a pizza, the pizza ideal is.
1: It's reasonable to expect that if your oven goes up to 500, 550 degrees, that you could cook your pizza in around five or six minutes. If you do the trick where you get a pizza stone, it's a modest investment that's worth it if you're going to try to make pizza at home and preheat your oven at the highest temperature with the stone on the bottom, like on the actual floor of the oven, if you're capable of doing that. Some electric ovens have like a heating element and we don't advise putting the stone directly on top of the heating element, but a rack that is immediately above that with the stone on it would be fine in that instance. And let it get as hot as you can let it get. Uh, for as long as you can let it go in the in the winter it can be a nice thing to help keep your kitchen warm and uh, That is pretty much the best that you can possibly do Reasonably at home in a regular oven for for getting your pizzas in and out of the oven as fast as possible
0: The one other option is if you have a convection oven that actually can get really hot and you have a really good broiler or even a half decent broiler in that convection oven. What I've been experimenting with, and which actually works really well, is you kind of do the opposite of putting the stone almost directly underneath the broiler or only a couple inches away from the broiler. You get the oven really, really hot, like you heat it just like you would if the stone was at the bottom. So let's say, like for a half an hour, 45 minutes, but with the stone underneath the broiler, get it really hot get the temperature, it should be extremely hot in there, turn on the convection, and now the air is kind of spinning around and the whole thing is keeping hot, and then just switch to broiler, and now you have this really hot oven with a really hot stone to cook the bottom, and then you have the broiler on top to cook the top at the same time, and the convection kind of is continuously moving the air around to keep everything really hot. For me, that's been working really, really well, but it definitely... It only works if you have a convection oven. If you don't, then the second you turn the broiler on, it's just gonna get too cold. The stone is gonna get too cold and the rest of the oven is gonna get too cold and you'll cook the top before you cook the bottom.
1: How long does the pie take if you have the broiler you have the broiler like on high the whole time during the cooking process? Yeah. And how long is it taking?
0: I've been getting pies out in two and a half, three minutes and it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. it, it like I have an extra tool that you definitely don't need, but it's pretty fun because you can shoot it at your family and friends and they think you're going to blind them. Is this laser pointer thermometer that you can get? They're only like $15.
1: Infrared thermometer?
0: It's an infrared surface temperature thermometer. It's mainly used for like chemical applications, but we'll put a link in the notes, but you can get get them on Amazon, I think for $15, but it's pretty accurate and all it can do is measure surface temperature. So you're not going to be like measuring the inside of a roast or something with it, but it's really good for taking the temperature of a pizza stone, for example, or measuring how hot the inside of your oven is or how hot boiling oil is frying. I've been taking reeds as I've been heating stuff up and I've been getting that stone to like 750, which is, which is awesome. But the convection really, really makes a difference if, if you have it.
1: Right. And if you don't, and you just have a, and you have a, a decent broiler in your oven, you can cook the pizza for, you know, four or five minutes until the bottom is uh, nice and uh, brown or you know has nice mottled brown spots on it and then you can switch the broiler to high and do about 30 seconds or a minute under the broiler and remember to switch it right back to the hot oven temperature so your oven doesn't lose as much temperature and that is a pretty good uh, thing to do as well and can, and can also be nice if you want to like throw maybe some you know greens or something on top that you just want to broil and don't want to have in the oven the whole time that can be that can be a good thing too.
0: Totally yeah. no, I think no matter what another one of our five things is using the broiler at some point in the pie making, if not for the whole entire time, but definitely if if not, just for the a hit at the end because that's kind of one of the hallmarks of the of kind of our ideal pies is the you know, very crispy outer crust with the moist inside, but in order to get that, you know, the stone is only cooking it from the bottom, really. So you need that direct heat from the top, too, to get the, to get the really crispy, beautiful black and brown bubbles that you see.
1: Yeah, I think the other, another important one is, you know, you don't make pizza that often, it's a special occasion thing, use really good ingredients when you make pizza. Olive oil is one that we've often talked about, how important that is, you know, you use olive oil as a garnish on a a fancy pizza. Mm and it makes an amazing difference. The real olivey olive oil, uh, you only need a tiny bit of it, a little splash on the end, and it makes an amazing, it has an amazing impact on a simply put together pizza pie. And using cheap or old oil, instead, just don't use any olive oil. Like if you don't have nice olive oil to use at the end to garnish your pie, just don't do it. Use you know, something else, Great, some extra cheese on it or something like that. But I like to go and buy fresh mozzarella, canned tomatoes that are, uh, you know, some kind of good Roma tomatoes. You don't have to buy the DOP ones, um, but any, any that you know taste good are good. Uh, and, you know, fresh basil. And I like to make sure that I use the best possible ingredients uh, when I make pizza.
0: Yeah, and that's like, there's another key thing that you sort of touched on there too which is that you should always always grate your cheese fresh like don't please 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 don't buy pre-grated parmesan cheese and put it on a pizza like it's just not going to taste the same it'll be dry and probably it's not the best parmesan to start with anyway try to find seek out places where you can get real italian parmesan or if not some other cheese, you know, you don't have to use all Italian ingredients, you can definitely go and get if there's some really good local hard aged cheese that's made by you with really good ingredients, go for it. That that sounds great. But yeah, the kind of mass manufactured Parmesan cheese just is not you know, there's a reason it's spelled P-A-R-M-E-S-A-N and not Parmigiano. It's a different thing, and it definitely just does not taste the same.
1: But there's other really good ones that are considerably less expensive. Grana Padano that you can buy is a lot cheaper than Parmigiano Reggiano. You don't have to, like, break the bank. Usually if you go to a cheese store and you don't want to buy a huge chunk of it, they'll cut you a smaller piece that you can use. Pizza is a fast and casual thing that most people grab grab on the street on the go when they're eating it out. But we really like to take our time with it and do it right when we make it at home. It, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do, but it takes enough effort that it's nice to... It's really nice to take your time with it.
0: Yeah, I would also say it's sort of a gateway drug in a lot of ways to to a lot of other co- cooking and baking experiences. It's not only is it a really good intro to to making dough and to learning about bread and other dough-based recipes. But it also teaches you about fermentation. It teaches you about how to use your oven and how to use different ingredients and to think about composition and stuff like that in ways that you probably haven't before. And for me, I can say without a doubt, it was the the definitely the thing that got me hooked on making bread and learning about different ways to do fermentation. And when you first start out, you're gonna fail. Like that's that's an interesting thing that I think we might wanna touch on too. It's like making pizza at home or making any bread, really anything where you put a lot of effort and you're working with kind of wet, sticky ingredients, Chances are the first couple pies, they might be good, and but chances are out of the first four that you do, one is going to fall face down on the bottom of your oven and catch fire, or something worse, or you're gonna just, just going to slip off the end of the peel and go all over your floor, whatever it is, or you're just going to turn into a calzone. It's a a lesson to learn that, you know, you fail, you work on it, you get better, you try again, and it just really, I can speak from experience and from actually doing this, that you work, if if you take the effort to work through the failures and the mistakes, and even the failures still taste good, they're just a little messy, you'll be rewarded with, at the end, very, very good pizza that you're very confident in, and you can... Invite people over and impress them with your pizza skills.
1: what all, what else should we uh, what else should we touch on here?
0: What, where do you Where do you go from pizza? you know once you've made a really good pizza, what what are the other things you can do with the knowledge after you've put all that effort into making dough?
1: I think like you said, like it's a it's a gateway thing, but it's like a framework. It shows you that uh, you can take this you can take food that you really love. And that people will tell you, you can't make it good at home, right? And you can learn the steps and break each step down and figure out how to do it to the best of your ability and to your taste. And like, you can do it, right? Like uh, the other day, I uh, may, or you know, a couple weeks ago, I spent a bunch of time and effort and money making pho at home. And, you know, like when I, I tweeted about it or something and someone's like, you can't do that at home. You know, and I'm like, that's a really cool position to have uh, on things, right? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, I can, you know, it's not the same. I don't have a giant bubbling cauldron of oxtails in my kitchen, right? But like with some science and some effort and, you know, the right equipment, uh, you can make very good versions of lots of different things at home. You don't have to uh, relegate certain types of eating experiences to going out or living in the right place so you know people have a complex i don't live in the right place to eat that kind of food or whatever it's like i want to empower you to know that you can pretty much do anything you can be making pizza at home in boise idaho that's better than the pizza that most people will eat out in new york city right? And so that's a lesson, I think, to learn. You can pretty much do, it's just a cheesy answer, but you can pretty much do anything. Once you learn how to do something like make really good pizza at home, it's, a, it's just a, it's very empowering. I mean, I, 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 after I learned all the steps to that, and I should definitely shout out Todd Cavallo, T-Bone, uh, one of my oldest and closest friends who got into this around before me and are like around the same time. We kind of like had a big back and forth on the on the pizza thing, too. Uh, and so we should definitely shout him out because he's the one who first showed me that you need to do the cold and slow fermentation. And from there, uh, that really uh, caused a revolution in my mind uh, and has been a re- really important thing to me. Part of what we try to do here on Beats Ryan Types in wrapping things up is like, relate whatever we're talking to, to like bigger picture stuff. And, and you know, pizza is a metaphor, right? Like making it at home the right way takes time and effort. Uh, without those things, you, you know, you, you can't do it the best possible way that you can. You can pretty much do whatever kind of cooking thing at home that you want to put the time and effort and energy into learning how to do the right way, and uh, once you learn how to do one thing like this well, it, it's really cool to then like look around and think like oh what should I tackle next?
0: It speaks a lot to uh, the last episode of when we were talking about perfection. I mean, I think we both in our minds are striving towards whatever pizza perfection is or whatever that that is. can be achieved in a home kitchen but at the same time the steps that you take to get there are the same in my mind as the steps that you know magnus nielsen or one of these or thomas keller takes to get to their ideal beef bourguignon or whatever it is it's about taking the individual elements and breaking them down and trying to achieve some sort of level of ideal in each of those different ingredients and each of those different pieces. And what's, what's great about pizza is it's very few ingredients, you know, and very few things that you need to do to, to make it really good. So it's a really good intro to that and trying to break it down and learn a lot about each individual step. Just get better at what you do.
1: Yeah, for sure. On that note, keep getting better. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This
1: has been Beats Ryan Types, episode six. Uh, I'm MRB.
0: And I'm AQ. See you later. Peace.